Everybody's going for those kinky boots, kinky boots. Kinky boots, it's a manly kind of fashion that you borrowed from the brutes. Borrowed from the brutes. Kinky boots. Hello everyone, and a very warm welcome to another edition of Kinky Boots. I'm Ken Moss. I'm Simon Exton. This week, it's Series 2, Episode 2 of The Avengers, Propellant 23. This was written by John Manchip White and directed by Jonathan Alwyn. It was produced on the 21st of July 1962 and first transmitted on the 6th of October 1962 in the ATV London, ABC Midlands, ABC North, Anglia, Channel... Grampian, Southern, Scottish, Time Tees, Ulster, Westwood, Television Western Wales, and Teledu Cymru. I apologise if I'm pronouncing that wrong. Yeah, Wales. The Scottish television broadcast was actually on the 30th of May in 1963, which is a good long while after. And then in October 1963 and May 1964, it was broadcast in Sydney and Melbourne. There is a full script and a handful of publicity stills. Dr. Exton, do you have a synopsis for us by any chance? I do. Um, And this, again, is taken from Dave Rogers' book, The Ultimate Avengers. Steed and Kathy search frantically for Propellant 23, a new rocket fuel, before it falls into the hands of the opposition. When the courier carrying the fuel sample arrives dead at Marseille, the sample is mistaken for alcohol and stolen by a hotel worker. The enemy reach Jack, the hotel tout who has acquired the flask, before Steed and Kathy can. But it's the Avengers who retrieve the contents of the flask after shots from Mrs. Gale's garter gun. No false compartments, nothing in the linings, nothing in the backs of the hairbrushes or in the soles of the slippers or between the pages of the books. I squeezed out the tube of toothpaste and the tube of shaving cream. I emptied the fountain. All bed. right, I'm very, very sorry. Are you sure the bag didn't open in the office during the fight? Yep. How do you feel now, by the way? I have a very stiff leg. Luckily, we landed against filing cabinets, and he was underneath. Do you think you killed him? I didn't wait to examine. That's in character. You really are in trouble if he's dead. Well, you don't have to tell me that. What luck. Hello? Who? Oh, Monsieur Steve? Yes, mademoiselle, that's me. Do you always arrange to take your calls in a luxury department? If humanly possible. Do we have any alumni in this? We have an awful lot of alumni. Probably top of the list is Jeffrey Palmer, who was in a million things. Um, (laughs) In Doctor Who, he was the administrator in The Mutants, Masters in The Silurians, and Captain Hardacre in The Voyage of the Damned. He will turn up twice more in The Avengers and was previously seen in the first season episode Dance with Death. He's got a, a long, long history of credits, Butterflies, Reginald Perrin, Fairly Secret Army. He was just a very familiar face on telly in the 70s and 80s. Barry Wisher will play Heslington in The Faceless Ones. John Durth is Boss's voice in The Green Death and Lupton in The Planet of the Spiders. Nicholas Courtney, of course, was the brigadier in lots and lots and lots of Doctor Who episodes and will appear one further time in The Avengers. John Gill was Mr. Oak in Fury from the Deep. Graham Ashley was the overseer in The Underwater Menace, will appear twice more in The Avengers, and played the caretaker in Grange Hill. Ralph Nosek appears in Object Z and its sequel, Object Z Returns. John Crocker will return in two further episodes of The Avengers. 
Trader Faulkner was a regular on the comedy series Our House. And finally, Catherine Woodville, who we've seen previously as Peggy in the very first episode, Hot Snow, was Mrs. Patrick McNee. Oh, I'd forgotten that bit. Yes. Now, getting to the nuts and bolts of the thing, what did we think? Ah, I was kind of surprised that this came at the beginning of a, of a series because it felt very much like we're desperate for an episode and almost no time to write it because there's pretty much no plot. I've got to be honest, I wasn't entirely gripped by this one. There's a lot of running around in the airport lounge. No, there isn't. There's a lot of very slow walking around. It's a very, (laughs) very slow episode. Um, Yeah, that's fair. There is no running in this at all. There's a lot of gentle sauntering. The whole thing, (laughs) Kathy starts off. And Kathy and Steve really don't seem to like each other very much. Uh, no, there is a bit of antagonism to. I mean, it's particularly noticeable in the first car scene when Steve. Yes, comes it's to a, meet why him. the hell? Why the hell am I here? What have you? What have you got me across here to do? Um, I can only give you until lunchtime, and that doesn't happen. There's an awful lot of antagonism. Yeah, the one thing I will say is Patrick McNee is in complete control of his character. He really he makes is, a good fist of this. Yeah, his um, his character is really settled by this stage. The guest cast, bear in mind, this is supposed to be, is it Marseille is supposed to be set in this? Yes. Yeah. They're a little RP. Oh, but some of them are RP, and some of them are having a go at the French accent, and... Whenever dramas do this, it's a bit of a misstep. You're sort of you're taken out then by the ones that aren't doing the accent, by the ones that are. I'd rather it was either all accents or all just ignoring it and speaking in an English voice. So that bit was I found a little bit jarring. You've got the I can't remember the name of the damn character. It, it's really not sung to me very well. This one, the one who was just shading around the airport with a trilby and a trench coat and a cigarette and periodically a newspaper looking shifty af every day can either of us remember the name not really the foreign agent or the bloke who was um touting for the the hotels the agent i think we've we've seen him in other things anyway he looks shady as hell and not very undercover and then there was uh, who was jack supposed to be what was his function he was a hotel tout, so he was recommending the hotel he works for for people who get off the plane, just in case they don't have anywhere to stay. Because for a lot of the time, I thought he was just a vagrant, because he, he just spent a lot of the time asleep on a bench, looking for the nearest he, drink. He had one scene where he was asleep on a bench. Oh, he was just an itinerant loiterer. Anyway, I don't know. None of the characters really sung to me. And it, end, it ends in all places in a bakery. <laughs> it's... It looks nice. The sets are nice, but it, it just doesn't really go anywhere. And you know, they're basically chasing around for these two bottles of fuel over four sets, and it's really padded out. This did not grip me at all. I'm afraid. I won't yeah, say that I was imagine. bored. I just wasn't. Um, you know, my attention was wandering. I, I think the problem is that there is so little plot. It's basically. We've lost a bottle of stuff. There's two possible places it could be. We check out both. One of them is just a, a very long and protracted excuse for a 
terrible joke at the end with a bald wig. And the other one is supposed to make you believe that the bloke who spends his whole time looking for a drink and got the girl at the airport saying, oh, but you're you're an educated man. Why have you come to this? We're supposed to believe that he finds a flask and doesn't even take a sip from it for until the next day. No. It was a very pretty hip flask. It was a hip flask. I said it was very pretty. It was, it was a nice design. It was a, it's certainly a, a fairly hefty design. I've not seen one that big before. And that, that whole thing at the, the beginning where you've got a, a message saying that you're going to get killed on the flight, what was the point of that? If he was going to be assassinated on the, point, on the flight, why would the assassin send him a warning? <laughs> so he can, he can barge his way into the, um, the pilot's cabin and camp out in there to have his heart attack. If you're going to send an assassin to kill somebody, you don't send that person an invitation to it. No, I... that, <sighs> that didn't really work. And then he he died of natural causes, but there was this whole, it's always like this. Nobody knows when it's going to happen. I'm not going to survive anything. Unless he was just a massive drama queen, of course. <laughs> well, he was making a bit of a meal of it on the plane. I don't think the heart attack was um, was drama queening. I think that was him actually dying. But the, the whole the whole bit beforehand didn't make a massive amount of sense. Airport security was clearly a very different thing in those days. Yeah, it was a bit Zedkar's bathroom bolt security, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, there, there were some very nice sets. Not a massive amount seemed to happen in them. The, the bit where they, the stewardess gets murdered... It's kind of blinking. You you miss the fact that their body's hidden under the bed, isn't it? There's no real big dramatic reveal. It's just they notice something's under the bed, so Steed takes the opportunity to leg it out of there. And then when they move, you see that there's the the girl's head there, but there's no real drama or tension with it. No, and um, why was Kathy Steed... gets to kick people? That's nice. Well, Kathy demonstrates her martial arts prowess. The men get a good, hard, savage beating quite a few times in this. And Probably deserved it. Well, Kathy in herself is a quite an interesting companion. So far, I've only seen Kathy. I know that series two, there's a few different companions, isn't there? Um, I think I'd call them co-leads. Uh, but yes, there are three in series two. Because there's Venus, and who's the other one? Uh, Dr. King, who is less of a success. Yeah, we'll come to that in subsequent episodes. We're only two in. But... Yeah, it's not a win for me. Should we rate this in Masterminds? Watch out, diabolical masterminds. How many are you going to give it? Three, I think. Yeah, it's not one I'll be rushing back to. It wasn't terrible. Uh, There's nothing particularly bad about it. It's just not very deep. So yeah, three out of five for me as well. Again, I'm going to divorce this series from series one, because I think it's going to be a bit unfair otherwise. But yeah, not one I'm going to be rushing back to on the DVD. And with that, we shall sign off, boys and girls. Next week, we'll be moving on to episode three, which is the Decapod. And we have a guest joining us next week. Alex Wilcock will be back, who uh, was with us last week. Until then, thank you very much for listening. If you fancy watching along with us, you know what's coming. Until then, see you soon. Bye now. They'll be back. You can depend on it. Kinky Boots featured Simon Exton and Ken Moss. With thanks to Studio Canal, Piers Johnson and Dave Rogers. Title music was performed by Honor Blackman and Patrick McNee. 
and the program was produced by Maverick Productions. For more information, please visit maverickproductionsuk.blogspot.com or find us on social media.